On today's episode of Double Down Trent, we've got our Festivus Christmas holiday special where we are looking back at week number 15 in the NFL, and it was a crazy week. We had some of the biggest upsets of all time. The Jets beat the Rams. The Bengals beat the Steelers. Chaos was everywhere. We break it down. Plus, we've got our week 16 picks. Lots of crossfire and an RIP to the Patriots making the playoffs with Bill Hughes. Stay tuned for episode 93 of Double Down Trent. Double down Trent, you might want to tune in. Talking gambling and sports, predicting who might win. Pop culture to movies. Let's start up the combo. Ryan and Aaron, man versus the motto. Keep it authentic and it's always live. So competitive, so you know it's always hype. Make sure you subscribe. Trust you don't want to miss. Going all in here on Double Down Trent. Hey, yeah. Double down Trent. Let's go. This is Double Down Trent. All right, welcome to Double Down Trent, the podcast where two elementary school buddies are talking sports, gambling, and pop culture. My name is Ryan. I am your co-host, as always. Joining us tonight, Mr. Model Aaron. Welcome back, my friend. Uh, feels good to be back. Had to just had to step away a little bit, get the health in order, but I'm back. I'm feeling good. I'm I, I'm ready to uh, digest a little NFL the week that was and uh, the last two weeks that we here have here up, upcoming. Excellent, my friend. It's good to have you back on here. We are also joined by our NFL insider, Coulter. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I can't believe it's week 16. We only have two more full slates and then we're in the playoffs. I'm, I'm appreciative that they gave us the extra playoff games this year because it's really going to be like a uh, that drop off from, from week 17 action to just having six games in the first wild card weekend, which is so great. I'm so happy there's six and not four. But that drop from 16 to 6 is going to be like uh, weaning a crack addict off of crack. So it'll be tough. But, uh, you know, also in the same breath, I'm kind of happy to push the season away because it's just been in our pool, just been a catastrophe for me. Everything that I did right last year to win the pool, I feel like I've undone switching picks left and right. uh, Just awful. Dude, I feel you. That letdown after the NFL season, it's a dark day for me. At least let's be happy. We got playoffs. We've got more games than usual. So that's uh, something bright on the horizon. We are also joined by our resident Patriots expert living in Philadelphia, Bill Hughes. Welcome to the show, Bill. What's up, boys? Good to see you again. Always good to be back. Uh, It's an exciting week. You know, we got a game on Christmas on Friday. Then we got, I think, a slate of three on Saturday. Um, got the extra one coming in on Saturday and then a uh, full slate on Sunday. So we got, uh, you know, three days of football along with some college stuff going on. NBA just started. Uh, it's a good time, I guess, for, you know, sit, sitting back, maybe getting a couple days off from work and uh, throwing a few pennies in the middle. See what happens. It's a glorious week. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, NFL football. It's hard to beat that, my friends. Let's look back, though, on the week that was week 15. I feel like I am a broken record. It was a bloodbath for me. Uh, I stopped looking at my picks pretty much after 1.30 on Sunday. I knew everything was going downhill for me. Uh, I am proud to say, though, we did have one listener reach out to us and ask for the Megan Cazalet special. And guess what? She delivered. She went three and two on her picks on the pool, missed both games by half a point. But she gave out two bonus games on Saturday and won them both. So our listener that took advantage of that, kudos he was messaging us he wants some money so we're happy to hear that mr model the girl is hot i want to run this by you i think i'm going to have her make all my picks this week what do you think 
I think that's a fantastic idea. She's on fire. She's more than hot at this point. I just can't believe it. Yeah. And we asked for bonus picks on Saturday. So we weren't sure. Maybe like, is that asking too much of her? Bonus picks came through. She went 2-0 on Saturday. It was incredible. So I guess uh, I'm turning to her for my card from here on out. I just hope her, you know, you getting your juju on her picks doesn't mess her up. I mean, I'm almost, I'm almost about to message Megan Catalan. Keep the I whole thing. I was just about to say, what, why don't we, why don't we hold off Megan until January and see yeah, if she can pick the, pick the playoffs, uh, just completely correct. That's true. Maybe I, I got to channel my Costanza and not do that. I got to do the opposite and make sure she just stays in her little picking bubble and keeps churning out winners. <laughs> so exactly. <laughs> Well, it was quite a week. Uh, I guess we got to start with the two biggest upsets, maybe of all time, but certainly one of the biggest all t- upsets of all time was the Jets pulling off the randomest victory ever against the Rams. I know Jets fans are furious because now they're no longer sitting at that number one pick seed. Coulter, I mean, what do you even make of this game? As a son of a Jets fan, it was just so predictable i watched them lose against the raiders with my dad uh who's been you know fighting you know uh cancer this year but and he was you know obviously just like classic jets loss and they lost the raiders i didn't get to see the win with him but he was pretty happy uh he's you know doesn't have much time left unfortunately so he's not really worrying about trevor lawrence the win was satisfying for him uh so as a son of a jets fan i enjoyed watching it i did have rams defense in fantasy football in my semifinals, which I didn't appreciate the Jets putting up 23 and getting all that yardage. But, uh, you know, it was it was a shocking game. I mean, 17 and a half points. Uh, what do you say, too? I mean, we went over it last week in the podcast, Mufay versus Gase. I mean, you had so many advantages, and all golf had to do really is just pick apart that Jets secondary, which seemingly every quarterback in the league has been able to do. Uh, but there's something about that Jared Goff when he when he when he starts off slow, he gets that deer in the headlights look. It's like steer clear of that guy. Uh, it would have actually been an amazing game to live bet, honestly, because once you get that look, it's like an NBA guy. It's like if he has that look, like he can't make a shot, you fade him. And, and I think there probably was money to be made on the Jets live betting that game once you saw like what Goff kind of physically looked like in the face and body language department. Yeah. Uh, can I call him just real quick on this live betting about this game uh, suggestion? Because I certainly was live betting this game. It's just on the <laughs> wrong side of it. This was a clear your account live bet for me. This was one of those like, oh, my God, how is it possible that one? It's like I got him, I think, at minus five and a half at plus 108. I was like, oh, my God, this is stealing. They're going to win by 100 because it's the Jets. Then I bet him again when the money line was was uh, positive. And I'm like, this, there's no way this could happen. And lo and behold, I think this is proof that anybody who thought the Jets were tanking, ultimately, Brian uh, Gase is just that bad of a coach. I mean, he's just that bad because there's no incentive for them to lose. And you saw that in this game. They had pride on the line. It was a little bit of a homecoming for Sam Darnold, which somebody mentioned but to me. And I just laughed. Yeah, we talked about that. The the homecoming aspect. But again, he played, he played well. He, he took care of the football. The jets played with a fire that again, they've got a younger team. Their offensive line is not bad. Becton's obviously a stud. Um, and I think they, they played harder. And I think it shows that that's in, what happens in the NFL. It's like, you know I mean? It, it, it's the story of age forever, but like it was unbelievable to watch. And I did again, lose several times as you guys know i'm in the blackout zone from my sports book so i can't live bet from my apartment i have to go travel otherwise i've been with that you was gonna say that's I was one texting. where you saved yourself some money i'm sure right? yeah 
My poor buddy yeah, Jad, I was texting with him and he uh, he's like, yo, let's get in this money line. I was like, I'm locked. I can't. And he went in on it. I think at one point the Rams got up to three to one on the money line. Yeah, and I was like, crazy. dude, just jump over that one. And something didn't happen. <laughs> no, no. I think you nailed it. I was able to come bring it back on Tampa, which we can talk about too. But uh... let's go there because that was uh, the Tom Brady down in Atlanta. It wasn't quite the uh, 28 to three, but it was pretty damn close. Hughes, uh, you called it. You were all on them. So uh, credit to you, man. What were you, uh, what were you feeling during that game? Uh, didn't cover probably one of the worst halves of football I'd seen in the first half in terms of how Tampa played. But again, it was like kind of like the classic. It almost looked a little bit like the Pats where the second half started and you were like, the second they got a defensive stop, you're like, all right, they're coming back. And it just felt that way. Yeah. I think I got them at three to one or maybe even plus three fifty. Um, Maybe it was even more. I don't know. They were down enough. But this, Atlanta's done this all year, too. Like, this isn't just a Tom Brady and the Bucks thing. Atlanta's done this all year. They cannot seem to hold any type of lead. And they also don't know how to play offense with a lead, which is the most bizarre thing that they have not learned that. It's one thing to, like, get into a prevent defense and get beat up a little bit. But, like, they just don't know how to play offense when they're winning. And a couple of tough drops, a couple of tough situations. And, boom, you got Tom Brady. And you got, again, a bunch of weapons that I think will end up continuing to bear fruit as they get healthier and as they continue to go. Their defense is really the question mark right now. Yeah, and I don't think this is an original thought. I'm sure I've heard it somewhere on the radio, but it sure seems like they uh, they open up games and you know Bruce Arians is calling his plays and they're not fit for Tom Brady, and then all of a sudden they find themselves down and they just go, all right, let's let's let Tom make some plays, and they start opening up, and and lo and behold, they come back. Um, I mean, I I like what I'm seeing from them, but I still think that they're a little overrated. I don't know, Hughes, if you think do you think they can keep that up in the playoffs against maybe some of these better teams in the NFC? So I think, I mean, I think that's going to be the interesting part, but I think, I mean, we can talk about it, but is there really much in the NFC to be worried about? I mean, like if you're Tampa, is there any, team my, you're favorite, looking across, my favorite topic, <laughs> you're, you're looking across the field. And I mean, is there, is there a team that you have to go visit or has to come to your, your building that you're like, man, I do not want to play those guys in the playoffs. And again, I think there maybe everybody feels the same way about Tampa, right? So like Tampa's not like good enough where probably a lot of these NFC playoff teams are like, Oh God, Tom's coming to town because they've looked terrible at times. Like that first half of that game, they looked like they did not know how to play football. But that being said, I don't, I don't think there's like a dominant team in the NFC right now. Um, especially given how high everybody was on the Rams after they throttled the Pats to what happened to the Rams against the jets. So, you know, you know, no, no matter who it is, I think it's going to be an interesting NFC playoffs because every team to me is kind of the same. Yeah. And Colter, you were all over this. I mean, NFC, we saw the Saints lose to the Eagles. We now saw, you know, the Rams go down. Is there really a true powerful team in the NFC to be reckoned with in the playoffs? No, and I think, I mean, after this week, it was pretty clear to me because I think Green Bay is the best team, but we'll get into them in a little bit. But they were just too lackadaisical in that home game against Carolina on Saturday night for my liking. That does not look like a team. A team that wins the Super Bowl does more in that second half. They were cruising and weren't they had no impediments in their way. And then all of a sudden their offense just completely turned off. It was like a sink getting, you know, the water was going and then all of a sudden it was just completely turned off. Um, I, so I don't like what I saw from them in that second half. New Orleans is they're very up and down. The motivational things have been crazy with them and Breeze's arm strength is a no go. You go to Tampa and you got to like them. I mean, you got to like what Brady's health is at right now. I mean, in week 16 and the defense, I think can write the ship a little bit. Um, but they can't play a full game of football either. And then I think one of the things about this 
NFC picture is not, not only is they're not a top dog, but they've all kind of beaten each other, right? The Rams have beaten the Seahawks. The Packers have beaten the Saints. The Saints have beaten the Bucks. The Bucks have beaten the Packers. It's just like it all goes in a circle, and there's really no clear uh, number one team. And I, I think, honestly, the AFC is in a good position with the Chiefs and the Bills. I think Tennessee could be a dark sleeper if they can get any sort of defense out of that unit. Um, you know, obviously Pitt has fallen off, but if Pitt played New Orleans tomorrow, who would you like in that game? I mean, that's the second best team in the NFC versus the third best team in the AFC. I know we're going to get, I know we're going to get to it, but I mean, I think Vegas is thinks Pittsburgh's dead. And I, I mean, we can talk about that. When we get to that game, but like, I mean, they're, they're a dog at home versus the Colts this week. That is not a good sign for what people, where people think that the Pittsburgh I would imagine, yeah, I would imagine that the Saints would be a three-point favorite over the Steelers on a neutral. So I guess there might be a little bit more balanced than I thought. But my counter to that, though, is like I think Tennessee on a neutral versus New Orleans. New Orleans might get that field goal advantage, too. But, like, I kind of like Tennessee, honestly. Like, I think that team's live on offense. Their defense stinks. But, like, it's not like Breeze is the quarterback that's going to exploit them. Mr. Model, if you were going to throw out the records, the odds, all that, and put down a bet on a team to win the NFC, who are you taking? Yeah, I was actually going to, I was looking at this right now to see what odds are currently available. Um, I mean, given, given the current odds, I think I would take, I'm looking at uh, Serica Sports. They have plus 605 for the Buccaneers, which to me is one of the most interesting. Um the Packers are the clear favorite in the NFC at 205, Saints 390, Rams and Seahawks both at plus 440, and then the Bucks are there at plus 605. So if I'm looking at that, that's what I'll, I'll like. I, I admit Buccaneers wouldn't be my first choice of what I would take in the NFC. I think Packers are are a near 1-2 with the Saints for me. Um, so okay. I don't know. It'd be an interesting exercise for to force all of us to take one NFC team as a snake draft and see how that went. Ooh, okay. Maybe we'll do that. I kind of like that. It. I love it. <laughs> I kind of like that. Uh, why don't we do both leagues snake draft? Um, and you got to pick, you got to pick the a- NFC, then the AFC winner. Um, and then we, uh, you know, do a little point system, see who wins. Do you want to do it right now? Sure. Let's start it. Okay. Let's my start one thing would be, we don't know what the playoffs look like. That would be my mm. one. We don't know what for the NFC. Mm-hmm. But I mean, might have change on who grabs the number one seed. We could, but this is kind of like you know, pick your horse right now to see who comes down the stretch That's and finishes. True. Okay, yeah. let's start with it. Uh, so much battle. I, I didn't mean to throw up the flag. my flag is actually more with the AFC because I think KC is a that they're kind of penciled in as the one. That, that, I think that was actually what I was trying to get at is that there's a little bit of a top advantage. Whoever gets KC in the AFC, I think has. That's true. Maybe we'll hold the AFC until the playoffs is set, but let's do the NFC right now. You want to do the NFC? Or Why you want to do the AFC too? <laughs> yeah, let's fire in both. You All right, right, let's the, do I'll it. Let's do both. I'll take, the fourth, I'll take the fourth pick in the AFC. I mean, the NFC, the first pick in the AFC. Okay, let's snake fire it. In? Mr. Model, you start oh, us off first. Wait, you, why does Juice get the first pick in the no, AFC? I'll take, I'll I'll take three, two. First. Yeah, Mr. Model, you take it away. You start with the NFC, and uh, you pick your horse. All right. All right. So if I had to go, I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be a benevolent leader. I'm going to take the saints as my first pick for the NFC. I will leave the Packers on the board. I like where breeze is coming back from. Yes. He looked pretty pathetic in the first half, but uh, he turned it on in the second. I think he'll continue to get healthy. I'll take the saints. That'll be my horse in the NFC. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see. Hughes, you're wearing the Santa hat. You go too. 
Uh, all right, if I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to stick with, um, I think the team that I, I, I think will be, have the best options when it comes to offense and defense. I'm going to go with the Bucks. Um, again, I don't, uh, it's a bit of a homer pick with Brady, but at the same time, I do think, you know, as it comes down the stretch, I think they're, again, they haven't played their best football. And I feel like that was always a Tom Brady thing when he was in new England. Is that like now granted we're later in the season than I'd probably want to be with him playing his best, but I thought he looked great in that second half. I do think some of the things are clicking. Uh, so I'm going to go with the bucks. Okay. Coulter, do you want to go third or do you want to defer and get the, uh, come around on the snake pick? I mean, I would, I'd love to defer. I'd love to okay. put you in a position where you have to choose between the two teams. I think you're going to choose. And then I get the scraps of that. Okay. That's, That's fair. It sounds so, lovely to me. I mean, if I'm picking at three here and they're still sitting there, I'll take the Packers. I'll take them. Uh, I like what they're doing and we're going to talk about their game, but you're telling me that I got the, the favorite at pick three, sign me up. So take it away at number four, Coulter. And I love the idea of pairing Russell Wilson versus Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I think you get the MVP from the first half of the season versus the MVP of the second half of the season. You get the two most polarizing quarterbacks in the league. Draw it up. Why not? They played on a Sunday night game like two or three years ago, and it was absolutely electric. I would imagine that this is going to be just as good if they played in the Super Bowl. I'll take Seattle at four. I'll take KC at five. I think Seattle's got a lot of talent. I, I talked about them a couple weeks ago when they played the Jets. I think this is a top-heavy roster with Wilson, the two receivers, and they've got a bunch of good guys on defense. This kid, L.J. Collier, is a player. And I, have him with Dunlap up front and Wagner uh, behind them and Adams on the third level. I think the defense has really come along nicely there for them, and all they need is a little bit of rust magic. That's a pretty good team. I know they didn't cover against football team, and that – kind of chased us all off their scent a little bit, but man, I, I love Seattle and I like having the pair with Kansas city. I could definitely see that being the super bowl. That's a good, uh, a good pairing. That was a well-placed snake bet. You know, you get a good team that was earlier in the season in the NFC looking like they're, they're going to be the number one. The and NFL of course you get the same that matchup too. I think, I mean, Mahomes Wilson's juicy. I know Mahomes Rogers and Mahomes uh, anybody is great, but I, I really think that Mahomes Wilson can sell uh, a lot yeah. of tickets and people engaged. And since I'm coming back around with the snake pick, I am going to steal Hughes's bills. I love what they're doing right now. I love the energy coming out of Orchard Park. Josh Allen is playing out of his mind. The defense is actually starting to turn it around a little bit. I think we've said it on here a few times that besides that, Hale Murray, you know, they've only got two losses on the season. They're just peaking when they should be. Uh, I love what I'm seeing out of them. I think Allen gives them an option that really only – only Patrick Mahomes has the edge on the way he's playing right now. So I like the bills. Sorry to steal your pick there, Hughes. No, it's all good. Um, I, I listen, I I'm on the bills. I got a future on them. I think that right now they're trending in the right direction as well. I do think though, I'm going to, you, you guys may have left the team that I think I really like. And we talked about them a little bit cause I think they'll fly a little under the radar, but I think they've got a toughness to them. Um, I'm going with the Titans. I think Tennessee in terms of how they played against good teams, um, I like, I, I mean, again, Henry's been great. Um, Tannehill has been just so worth every penny. They're probably paying him. Um, which again, that's another crow I'll eat, you know, for probably the rest of my life. I thought that guy was a total stiff. I mean, and he's, he's exactly what they need. Their defense is suspect. I mean, it scares me a little bit, but I do think they'll play uh, pretty well when the, when the chips are on the table. So I'm going to go with the Titans. I like it. All right, Mr. Model round us out. All right, so the teams go. that I'm looking at in the AFC, just to make sure I have these ones that's still being available, Ravens, Steelers, Browns, and Colts. That is correct. They're all on the board. 
You also have the Dolphins if you want. Dolphins to could there. be lurking there. Yep. Nah, don't give me that. <laughs> I don't think they. I don't think they make it. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go totally contrarian here. I'm I'm gonna take the Steelers. Okay. I think that they have obviously performed decently in the first half of the season. They have stumbled of late. They've definitely had some health issues on both sides of the ball. Their offense needs to get right. The defense needs to get better. I think I'm going to hope that they put it together here in the playoffs and they play better than what they have uh, recently. I actually am seeing stats for them at plus 950 right now for the AFC, which don't seem crazy to me if they can flip it around. But uh, yeah, they'll be my AFC horse. Okay. Uh, if for some reason we have a tie here, we'll figure out what the tiebreaker is in the playoffs and we'll, we'll go from there. But I think that was nice. pretty good impromptu uh, snake draft there, boys. Well done. I like it. I like it. Now, obviously we could talk about the Steelers and the Bengals game. I think that was shocking. Uh, but let's selfishly discuss, uh, a game on Saturday night, because not only were there gambling implications here on double down Trent that we like to talk about, but it sparked a debate on our text chain about the end of that Carolina Green Bay game. So uh, I guess I'll recap it, okay? The the Panthers are driving down. They're down two touchdowns, right? Or they're down 10 points? 10. 10. They got the ball on the 16-yard line with, what, 208 or something left in the game? 204? Yeah, 209, I think. 209. Now, the spread was eight and a half. And what does Matt Rule elect to do? He goes and he takes one of those two scores that they needed and kicks the field goal there. Elects to play the clock game. And a lot of gamblers were saying, what the fuck is he doing? I, as the football guy, was messaging to you guys, what the fuck is he doing? And I would like to just present my case, if I, if I may. Of course. I feel like if you have the ball on the 16-yard line on first down, the harder part of those two scores is getting the touchdown, regardless of where you are. So if you're on the 16-yard line, I think you have a better shot at scoring a touchdown there just taking one shot. Take the first shot. If you don't get it, you play the conservative game, you kick the field goal, you see where it lands. Now, I understand what you guys were saying, that maybe that play takes you under the two-minute warning, and then all of a sudden you you run out of time, you don't get the ball back. I get that. But nine seconds to run a play, I think you've got enough time to take one shot at the end zone, see what you can do. And then play the other game where you can maybe get an onside kick. That was my so, my position. What do you think, Hughes? So I just just in terms of the math there, the issue was ultimately that if they didn't kick the field goal when they did, no matter what, they would have lost the two minute on the field play. So that if they'd taken one shot and it'd been two oh one, when they kick the field goal, they chew the two minute there. Sure. And that rule only had one timeout left. I Again, I agree with you. It's way easier. I mean, you can kick a 60-yard field goal is way easier than throwing a Hail Mary. Um, but I do think, like, he played the idea that they – it gave them more options. I don't know, again, which one is, uh, is, is, totally, is totally correct, but I think I did support the decision because I thought that, again, they were in a spot where they needed both anyways. You might as well leave yourself more time. I hate when, it, when coaches get down to, like, oh, you've got 32 seconds to kick an onside kick and then – you got to figure something out because again, you're kicking the onside kick from your own what 30. I mean, it's yeah. not like you're like, it's not like the ball is in a good position to kick a field goal, even from that point anyways. So I do think, and, and I think the probability of the onside kick is the issue too. I think this year, especially and how they've changed all the rules over the last couple of years has made the onside kick almost irrelevant, which is why I think they will change the rule to the fourth and whatever it was rule, which I thought would fourth be kind of 25. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think they'll go to that. Oh, that's again, coming for sure. 
Yeah. The, the, the onside kick's impossible. There, I actually, there was a one in a college game this past weekend that was really impressive that the guy caught in the air. Um, it was like a little pooch kick kind of deal. But, like, again, yeah, like these guys just haven't figured out a good way to create any probability of getting the ball on an onside. So I think this is what we're going to see is, like, guys really trying to play the math game on how do I avoid kicking an onside kick if I can. Matt Rule did that. And, yeah, it didn't, uh, didn't work out for him. Okay. Colter, you were on that side as well, man. What did you think? Three yards, negative one yards, 19 yards, 42 yards, negative eight yards. Those are the Packers drives in the second half. I agree with Matt rule. That offense was literally not trying to play offense. Give it back to him. Why not? They had three plays and negative eight yards when they got the ball back. I think it worked out exactly how he wanted it. The Panthers got the ball back. I mean, that literally it played in exactly how Matt rule wanted it to play out. And it did. And so it's like, therefore I think he's affirmed in that decision because Packers did not, they refused to get first downs in that second half. Like it was unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. And so like the way that that game was going to me, I, I felt like he definitely made the right call. I will give you this though, Kaz, Teddy Bridgewater, never in a million years, just like Cam Newton. And just like some of these other short armed quarterbacks is never going to throw a Hail Mary touchdown into the end zone. So therefore if I have Teddy Bridgewater and the 16 yard line, I am going to go throw the ball into the end zone, regardless of what the time on the clock is, regardless of what my opponent's offensive strategy, non-existent or existent is. So I will give you the benefit of the doubt there. Um, if you take Green Bay and its horrendous second half offense out of the uh, kind of the scheme here, I definitely I agree with you in the idea of let Bridgewater attack it because he's never going to complete a Hail Murray or any sort of thing like that. He just doesn't have the arm strength. I, and to go swing back to the Hughes side of this real quick, the Panthers are third worst in the NFL at targeting their tight ends. The most obvious play you drop in that situation from the 16 is a tight end right up the middle, right in the seam. You hit them right near the goalpost. They don't have that element to their offense. This is an offense that's obsessed with throwing to its three receivers. They throw to it like six, 76% of the time they're throwing to their top three receivers. They ignore the tight end. They haven't built that into their offense. Maybe they draft one this year, and maybe that's what kind of gives that offense an extra edge next year. But I don't think they have that player in the middle of the field, and that's where I would have gone. I would have looked right towards the safeties, stay away from Alexander. I would have thrown right to the goalpost of the tight end. They don't have that. Um, I kind of agree with what you're saying, Kaz. I take a shot with Bridgewater. He doesn't have the arm strength to Hail Mary. But I think Rule, Rule made the right call, and he was, I think, justified through the way the game played. I mean, the Packers punted right to him after a minute. Yeah, and I don't think, uh, again, I don't think kicking the field goal was the wrong call. I just think on first down, you take a shot. And Mr. Model, I don't have the numbers in front of me here, but I would love to know, you know what the percentage odds were of recovering that onside kick versus Teddy going down the field from their own 20 to score a touchdown with like what, 40, 50 seconds left. Like I would love to know what that math equated to, but you were on the side of kick the field goal as well. So what were you seeing, Mr. Model? I was, I think Coulter uh, articulated it perfectly. The way rule wanted it to work out is exactly how it worked out. They hit the field goal. They end up getting the ball back, albeit in their very much their end of the zone. Um, and, you know, had a chance to, to drive for the win. They obviously couldn't put it together to, to score. But I think that's exactly how you wanted to draw it up and hope it played out. Um, so to me, that's exactly what they should have done. And I think they did everything right. All I'm saying is ask uh, a friend of ours, a guy by the name of Dan Quinn, about onside kicks <laughs> and if it's possible to recover or not. That's all I'm saying. I mean, granted, I know Hughes, you're, you're 100% correct. The rules have made it where onside kicks are very, very hard to recover nowadays. Uh, I, I just think the odds there 
line up with the chances of getting a recovery of an onside kick is probably about the same as Teddy driving down the field with 50 seconds and, and scoring a touchdown there. That was my side of things. Yeah, no, and I don't disagree there. I mean, I do think too, like I, I got to imagine rules got a feel for like whether his, his, you know, the kicker's got an onside kick in, in the bag and stuff like that. But yeah, no, I mean, it's a, you know, it's one of those interesting calls. And like, I feel like we've been seeing a lot of those. I mean, this was my argument too. They brought Matt rule in to do this. This is why Matt rules there. He believes in analytics. He believes that the scouting, like that, that there's more to the game than just like the, the feel of it. And I think that that's going to be one interesting thing as more coaches get into those positions. You've got an owner who invested a lot of money um, in trying to fix a lot of parts of that organization. And one of them was that he wanted to take football to the, you know, into the 21st century, like we've seen uh, with some other teams. And so I do think, you know, we're starting to really see like how this is impacting a lot of different games and ultimately for gamblers, how it's impacting gambling. This is a huge part of trying to predict what's going to happen. And ultimately the unpredictability of what we see, because you, whether it's Doug Peterson uh, going for two, whether it, you know, like uh, some of these other coaches going for two or kicking field goals early, like, you know, I, again, it's, it's going to be interesting as it comes down to, as games come down to the end, because, you know, it's a different game than it used to be. And it's definitely, definitely coach different. That's a great point and how it affects the gamblers because selfishly, the one of the reasons I was so upset, I had money on green Bay. I picked him in my pool, but I think I eventually argued myself into agreeing with my own logic there. But, uh, you know, it certainly is going to change the way you make bets. And I think you're going to have to look at coaches now and say, all right, is there a potential to get like half a point, maybe swing some of these, you know, traditional lines uh, in favor of these outside the box coaches? So that's a really interesting point to think about there, Hughes. Mr. Model, let's go over our standings in the double down trend pool after 15 weeks because it is fascinating. It's been amazing. So Megan Casale continues to be the leader in the clubhouse. She's up to 45 points overall. She's putting distance between her and the field. In second place, we have Hannibal, not too far behind, with 42 points. Uh, and then in a distant third, we have you, the man, Ryan, 39 points, uh, still hovering, still lurking, but looking further and further out of reach. Yeah, I've uh, I've relegated that I am terrible at making picks, and uh, I'm in Costanza mode, so I'm just going to let you guys all know I am in Costanza mode for my picks. Everything I am picking is now the opposite of what I am actually thinking. So just put that out there. <laughs> uh, let me go through the five games that we have queued up on the app for this weekend. I picked all games that were on Sunday or Monday to give the listeners as much time as possible for them to submit. So if there's games happening on Saturday or before that, know that they're not included here. Um, the first one, one of the best of the weekend, Seattle and Los Angeles are coming together for the NFC West division title. Uh, it, Seattle is home and the home favorite of minus one and a half. Uh, the second game, another great one. Pittsburgh is playing the Indianapolis Colts in Pittsburgh. Indianapolis currently the, or sorry, Pittsburgh currently the home dog of half a point. Third game, I just couldn't resist uh, the NFC least. Dallas Cowboys have the Philadelphia Eagles come into town. Dallas is another home underdog of plus two and a half. The fourth game, uh, Again, I couldn't resist. Baltimore is playing those New York football giants this weekend. Uh, Baltimore is home. Not one of the best games we've we've seen, but uh, maybe a conversation point for next week. Baltimore is a relatively large favorite of minus 10.5. And then the last game, we go to the AFC. New England plays the Buffalo Bills on Monday night. New England is home and a significant underdog of plus 7.5. 
It's very uh, wild to think about, and I'm glad you put in at least the uh, the Eagles Cowboys game. I know selfishly as a Giants fan, I'm, I'm you know really interested in that game, uh, but I do think that Eagles Cowboys game is is going to have some juice to it. And there is a path, granted a small one, for the Eagles to come out and win this division. So this is the I, play of the year for me. <laughs> the play of the year is Eagles money line. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but. J- so Giants are 10 and a half point underdogs. That's basically Vegas saying they're going to lose, right? Yep. So if the Eagles beat the, the Cowboys, they're 5-9-1. and one. The Cowboys are 5-10. and 10. The, the Giants are 5-10. and 10. Then all we need in this scenario is Carolina, a team motivated, clear you can cover with rule, as we saw. We just talked about the Green Bay game. And Washington, is there a more controversial team this week than Washington with Dwayne Haskins? I mean, holy moly, this is a terrible spot for them. I see Carolina winning that game outright. I see Washington being six and nine, having a thin, thin lead over Philadelphia, playing them for the NFC title game. And but the greatest implication of all is that the Giants and Cowboys game in that scenario still matters. That is an NFL special. Take it to the bank. This will not lose. Philadelphia money line. (laughs) I am very intrigued by that as well. Yeah, they they definitely want that. Well, Coulter, I don't know if that was one of your picks or a freebie, but I liked it it either way. That's a freebie. Total freebie, <laughs> Eagles money line. Just enjoy it. And if Absolutely. you want to do the Ravens money line and the, the Panthers money line as well, make it a parlay. I, I love that idea. I think that's definitely going to play out. I could so see it happening. It's a juicy nugget for sure. Uh, all right, you give us your first pick, then, Coulter. I like that. Yep. All right. So I was uh, circling around this one during our Green Bay discussion. So I'll just hit it. Best bet number one: Titans plus three and a half. I've been waiting for this since Saturday night game ended. Green Bay was simply unimpressive in the second half, arguably the worst half of football I've seen team play in 2020. A great example of why teams the NFL can't take or t- can't take or take plays off. Because if you do you check out mentally, which Green Bay did, I think, and that results in quarterback hits, sacks, deflected passes, and all sorts of bad outcomes, which we saw Green Bay have. I mean, how many times? Did they let Brian Burns just come in and hit their all pro quarterback MVP leading Aaron Rodgers? That guy, the DN from Carolina had three free hits on their quarterback. They had totally just stopped playing in that game. I can't emphasize that enough. Really was just a terrible second half. Why I really like this though, is Tennessee's motivation. If Indy wins earlier in the game and Tennessee loses this one, they are done in their divisional race. They're looking at a six, potentially a seven seed. We'll have that outcome. We'll have that outcome of that game before Sunday Night Football kicks off. So that three and a half could be insanely juicy by the point uh, if everything plays out the way I think it will. I think the Colts do handle uh, Pittsburgh, as we mentioned. They're trending in the wrong direction. I think Tennessee is sky high motivated to win this game. If they lose, their hopes of winning that division are out the window. I like Derrick Henry to run all over the horrendous Packers run defense. That Carolina, as bad as the Packers game planning was in the second half. Can we talk about how Carolina was strangely afraid to attack the Packers run 32nd run defense with Mike Davis, who's had a great season filling in for Christian McCaffrey. They were literally allergic to running the football against that horrendous Packers run defense. I don't understand. Keep the ball away from Aaron Rodgers. That protects the Tennessee's worst unit. That's the secondary most important in this game. I like Tannehill. His stats are top six in the NFL. If he can handle the pass rush and finds a way to get AJ Brown, the ball against Jair Alexander, I think the Titans win this game straight up. Lastly, common opponent. I like looking at this. Both teams just got done playing the wounded and depleted lions. Granted, the Titans got the worst of that club last weekend, but they were still able to do what Aaron Rodgers have not, has not been able to do the last two weeks. He's been too cool to do it. And that's covered the damn number for us betters. 
Let's go Titans plus three and a half. I'm sick and tired of Rodgers. Fire up the locker room, baby. Hughes, what do you think? Um, uh, convince me. I mean, I, I totally agree. Um, I, th- the Packers are just not that impressive at times. I think they can feast on bad teams, but they do seem to f- try and flip the switch teams to go on and off. So I'm with you. I'm actually going to, I'm going to say Tennessee money line. I think Tennessee wins this game outright. I think you can get some value there. I think the three and a half tells you everything you need to know, which is that, you know, they, they feel like green Bay has some type of, you know, advantage at home, but at the same time that there's not much advantage there. And so, yeah, I'm on it. Tennessee. I'm with you. Mr. Model, what do you think? If Coulter was a coach, I think he just convinced me to run through a wall for him. Uh, all right. I'll, I will admit before he even started, I was on Tennessee. I like them in this spot. I think this is a stumbling block for Green Bay. Everything he said, I totally agree with. I would love to see the Tennessee offense start clicking more. They're one of my uh, interesting things for the AFC. If they can get the momentum going, I am in full agreement with him. I like that. Um, I'll let you know that I am on Tennessee, but because of my Costanza implications, I'm forced to take Green Bay. So I'm going to crossfire you here, uh, strictly based on my opposite thoughts. Um, if I were to argue in position of this, uh, I guess the only thing I could say is that they uh, want to keep that number one seed and have them come through Green Bay, and they don't want to risk New Orleans maybe coming back and taking that. Uh, but I will have you uh, know that I'm on Tennessee. This is a Costanza pick, so it's a mandatory crossfire on my behalf. I don't feel confident about it. <laughs> I knew I was going two for two on the crossfires. That that secures <laughs> the first one. I'm only waiting for my second one. I guarantee I get action on it as well. So thank you, Cass, for fulfilling the prophecy. Oblige. I will. I will say too, I mean, obviously the Packers run defense is suspect, but uh, the Titans pass, the Titans secondary is also suspect. Horrendous. If the Titans secondary doesn't show up, it could be one of those games where you've got a team that wants to run the ball, having to play from behind. So, I mean, I can see this game going either way. I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on, you know, the, 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 the Packer team that takes the field and plays that for those first couple drives. Um, and then can they sustain it? And, and it is going to be, I, I'm excited for the game. I think it's going to be one of the better games uh, that we've seen in a while. And again, there's, as we've talked about, there's implications for both teams, um, both of them needing or wanting uh, to get a win here. Yeah. And uh, uh, I, I was going to say, <laughs> Jinx, you go. I was going to say the bizarro stat is that the Titans have 17 sacks on the year. And they had a, a guy last year who had 11 sacks individually. So this is a team that just hasn't been pressuring the quarterback at all. Obviously a concern, but I, I saw nothing from the Packers on Saturday night that leads me to believe that they're motivated to cover against any team. They were so lackadaisical in that second half. It was pathetic. My, uh, my thought there was going to be the over looks juicy. It's 56 and a half, which is a big number, but these teams don't really play a ton of defense and they're both capable of putting up a lot of points. So I, I might roll on the, uh, the over there. It's far too soon to start talking overs. Just from a gambling ghost perspective, I had a four-team over parlay. Um, the Bears game, the Tampa game, the Philly game, and the Indy game. Anybody who watched the Indy game knows that there was a fumble on the one-centimeter line that would have put the game over. So can we just stay on the overs for the rest of this uh, podcast? Because I'm still feeling a little PTSD. That's fair. That's fair. That's a tough spot to hit uh, to lose on. But all right, you take the, the second pick there then, Hughes, as a little redemption. All right. So, I mean, I'm going to stick with, um, an interesting kind of, first of all, the board this week is bizarre. Like there's just so much on here that like, you just don't even know what to think about it. 
Houston minus eight against Cincinnati is just the complete, like, I can't wait. I hope someone picks that game. I just didn't even know <laughs> what to think about it. That's danger zone status right there. Yeah. <laughs> the other one, obviously the indie game we talked about Cleveland minus nine and a half against a Jets team at, that's going to be at home coming off obviously a West coast win with Cleveland does have a lot to play for. I did see a scenario where Cleveland might not make the playoffs. There's still a scenario there, um, but I'm going to go with the Rams. Um, and I'm going to go with another, another little ditty on, I think not only will the Rams cover the one and a half, I would just go with the money line. I mean, if you're talking about trying to get rich or die trying here, um, Philly Rams, Tennessee, bundle them up, package them up, underdog, triple dog, dare you parlay. I'm riding all three of them. I'm riding all three of them. Give me the Rams. Uh, again, I think, I think they have to bounce back. I think Jared Goff stinks, but at the same time, that defense got embarrassed. The offense got embarrassed. They've got to win this game. Um, I think they come out and they play well. Coulter, you've talked about this NFC West uh, coaching dominance carousel. So why don't you take your, uh, your first thoughts here? Yeah, the Rams own Seattle. Uh, the Cardinals own the Niners, and then the Niners own the Rams. It's it's a really weird little di- dynamic that this division has. I should say the Rams, the Rams and Seahawks are more even. The Rams own the Cardinals. The Cardinals own the Niners. And the Niners own the Rams. The Seahawks are kind of like the ambivalent team, with Wilson obviously always playing it to the last minute. But I love this, and I Hughes's money line. That is like great parlay because I'm on all three of those sides. I, I actually love that. Uh, I like. The Rams here. I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Motivated defense. I, I think Seattle's offense has just been in a tailspin for at least four weeks now. They don't know what they are on offense. It seems like they were this pass happy, you know, let's throw it all over the field type offense. Now they've kind of become the turtle going back into its shell with the running offense. And it just hasn't looked right now for almost a month. You have to throw out that 43 win against the Jets. That's just the, you know, that's the Jets. And quite frankly, we have to throw out the Jets loss to the Rams. I mean, that's not indicative of who this team is. This team went to Tampa Bay and beat that team. I think the Rams are closer to the team that beat Tampa Bay than the team that fell asleep and lost to the Jets. And that's why I'm inclined to take the one and a half on the road. I don't think there's really a home field advantage in this. I mean, how many times has Jared Goff played in Seattle at this point? Four or five times? McVay is not uh, uncomfortable playing there. I don't see any reason why these teams shouldn't be completely even on paper, if not even a slight advantage to the Rams. I think they have a little bit more talent. I think they have a little bit more motivation. The only thing I can see is obviously the quarterback factor. Um, and yeah, yeah, I mean, that's why you wouldn't take the Rams, but most importantly, Hughes didn't even say this. This is a true contrarian play. No one's taking the Rams this week. Give me the Rams. I mean, everybody in their mother is going to be fading the team that lost to the jets. I love the Rams. Give it to me every day. Mr. Yeah. Model. What do you think? I, so I'm coming in as the guy sitting on Seattle for the NFC West division title. And I will admit that I, I, yep, it's already been done. I already put some money on the Rams for the division just to make sure that my interests weren't too far over aligned with Seattle. Cause I don't see them winning this game. I see that uh, the Rams also coming in. I like them at plus one and a half. Um, Looks like the money line is currently plus 105. I think that this line will continue to trickle in the way of the LA Rams. It's already moved down to one and even a pick them in some places. So I, uh, I just think the Seattle secondary to me has been suspect. And I kept telling myself that they'll come around. They'll get to be average. They're a below average unit. This has been just an abysmal uh, cannot stop anyone. So I, uh, I actually think that the Rams end up winning this outright. Do I have to be the guy that's saying you're all taking Jared Goff over Russell Wilson? Because I'm just going to go out there and say it. Another crossfire here because 
You're taking Jared Goff, a guy that just looked like a JV backup quarterback to the Jets. The Jets. And I understand everything you guys are saying about Seattle because none of them are wrong. We all watched that Rams game. And I understand teams can show up and have a bad day. On the flip side, maybe the Jets just came to play. Maybe it was the darn old homecoming game. But I am sorry. I am not taking off at this point in time. Goff needs to win me back if he wants me to be on his picks from now on. Now, again, maybe for the listeners, that means put all your fucking money on the Rams because I'm, I'm venturing off my Costanza here and I'm taking Seattle. That's just what I'm thinking. I have zero faith in Jared Goff. I think at home, Russell Wilson, they figure it out. Uh, I don't think they want to go on the road, even though they know that the four seed is going to be that NFC East team. I don't think they want to do that. So I'm taking Seattle. All righty, Mr. Model. All right, you guys tell me if this is allowed or not. So news came out today that the San Francisco quarterback, Nick Mullins, is not playing this weekend. It sounds like he has a bum elbow, which could possibly result in Tommy John surgery. Uh, you know, we shall see. But anyway, uh, a guy starting who I've only heard of once or twice, I'm going to butcher the name, Bathard? Sather. Bobby Bassett. Bethard, thank you, is going to be starting in his place. I don't see that going well at all. I love Arizona in this spot because I think they're going to be a motivated unit to continue to try to get into those playoffs and get seated. Uh, currently, the line is four and a half that was locked into our pool. I, would be, I wouldn't be shocked if that uh, started to go more in Arizona's favor. I am going to take in this spot Arizona minus four and a half. They are a hot team. Coulter, what do you think? This was my best bet, but I decided I'm going with something more spicy that might draw some crossfire action. So I had penciled in Arizona as actually my best bet of the week. Uh, as I mentioned on this podcast before, Arizona has a, uh, it's, uh, they have an edge against San Francisco with a mobile quarterback in, in Kyler Murray. This is, it's proven out. They've won this series a bunch recently. Uh, they have a great history against them. I want to say it's seven and three over the Niners. I know that's not all with Murray, but I, I think there is something there. I think this is an offense that troubles Salah a lot in San Francisco. And quite frankly, I mean, the Cowboys, I know, are playing for the playoff spot. But, I mean, San Fran was still technically alive in that game last week. And, and Dallas definitely looked like they wanted it more. So I feel like San Fran's almost borderline quit now with all their injuries. Arizona's got to be max motivated. They're holding off the Bears and the Vikings for a uh, wild card spot. This is a franchise that I would imagine wants to get to the playoffs. They haven't been there since the Carson Palmer 2015 team. Uh, they've been through a weird, uh, weird rebuild with two uh, quarterbacks in the first round. And speaking of that first quarterback that they selected, Chosen Rosen, Josh is going to be playing for the Niners this week. So he's Beathard's backup. Um, which makes me just like Arizona even more. If we get a chance to get Josh Rosen, give me that all day. I'll take the other team. Uh, I, I think you have Hopkins max motivated against an awful 49ers secondary. Uh, and I'm not saying they're awful in general. They've just had a lot of injuries. Uh, Murray again, has an advantage against this defense with his scrambling. I just, I don't see a situation where I don't take the Niners. And, you know, as I texted you guys earlier, I mean, this is like the old, just read the room technique of, of, of gambling. How bad is CJ Beathard if he hasn't replaced Nick Mullins already? I mean, Nick Mullins was, I think, 31st ranked in, as among starters, only behind or only in front of Ryan Finley heading into last week. And Finley is 
got awful. You never had a quarterback rating above 30 until last night. So if Beathard's not better than uh, Mullins, the Niners are in a lot of trouble here. You've max motivated Arizona at home. The only advantage I can possibly conceive of for the Niners in this game, other than the coaching Shanahan versus Kingsbury, is that the Niners are familiar with the stadium and the travel elements. I guess that's in play. If you get a Niners plus seven or seven and a half, take that. But at four and a half, it's Arizona almost best, best bet. I would definitely wager on that for sure. Hughes, what do you think? Yeah, not much to uh, to add to that. I'm on Arizona too. I, I just think that this is one of those games where Arizona survived last week. I didn't think they looked great against the Eagles, um, but they survived. They're still they've still got a really um, a good. They're, they're in the driver's seat for their their kind of playoff fate, in my opinion. And I don't think they let this one get in their way. Um, I mean, the, the coaching's been a little suspect. Uh, Kyler's made some weird decisions at times, but at the same time, I do think that the Niners are just in a weird spot on defense where. They just they seem very vulnerable in the back end, which is, you know, based on injuries and some other things. But it just doesn't seem like you know they're not going to be able to take advantage of that with the with the group that they've got in AZ. So I'm on the card. So. Yep, I am as well. It's a unanimous vote. Uh, I think what you can find in here at the last two weeks of the season are the difference in motivated teams. I know, Coulter, this is a big thing that you've been talking about. San Fran's dead. And I think you if you look at this board, there's a, probably a, a number of other teams that are dead uh, playing against teams with some motivation. So I, I think that's not easy money because we've seen this at the NFL. There's no such thing as easy money when you gamble. Uh, but I like Arizona as well. So nice pick there, Mr. Model. Uh, my first pick is uh, is going to be a little out there. I told you I used my Costanza methods to land here, but uh, my logic is a little sound. Uh, I am taking the Atlanta Falcons on the road at Kansas City plus ten and a half. Uh, I just like this pick for a number of reasons. Uh, again, I, I'm going with the opposite of my thought here. I can see this being a blowout, but I really think uh, Atlanta has shown that they can hang with teams offensively. They put up some points. I don't think the Bucks' defense is uh, – it, it may actually be better than Kansas City's defense. I know we're going to Kansas City here, but one thing I've noticed about the, the, uh, the Chiefs, they flip a switch. So they really aren't blowing people out, which is a, you know, a big surprise to me. And they're not really covering a lot of these numbers. Ten and a half is a big number. I don't think they've done it more than once this entire season. Don't fact check me on that, but I think it's close. Uh, but I like Atlanta to cover here. But again, I'm going contrarian of what I just said. These are two teams that are in opposite directions. One's dead. One's playing for the one seed. So I'm taking the, uh, the Falcons plus ten and a half. What do you think, Coulter? You dog. <laughs> dog this is my best bet i had falcons plus 10 because i knew it was going to draw a crossfire from hughes and probably the model i love falcons plus 10 and a half here chiefs have lost six straight against the spread uh but with a team this public this isn't a really important nugget and even if i get this wrong i think there's just 100 percent truth to this this is the most public team in the nfl they just won the super bowl they the public will never jump off of this team the Chiefs could lose 16 straight games against the spread, and people are still going to back them. They're coming off of Christmas week. Everybody's got their Christmas money. They're going to bet Pat Mahomes at home, and they're not going to think twice about it, even though this number is way too large. The bandwagon is always going to be on the Chiefs. Mark it down for seven straight losses against the spread. I hit on it last week with Atlanta on the podcast, and I'm going to return to it this week. The run defense is really good, and the Chiefs can't run the football now at all. Uh, so that leaves Atlanta poised knowing what's coming. Uh, and so they're going to be free to send the house blitz Mahomes, send as much pressure as they want. And they're actually surprisingly effective at getting pressure rate. They're 24.1% uh, against opposing quarterbacks, slightly above league average. 
if you pair that with a fifth ranked run defense in the league, you got a, actually a decent defense here. I know that, that Brady carved him up in the second half, but statistically Atlanta holds their own. And you might think that Atlanta just lost its Super Bowl against Tom Brady, and that's reason to fade them because they're going to be deflated and not motivated. But is there a better way to get a contract than standing up Mahomes and company in week 16 at Arrowhead? I don't see a team that's checked out here. This is the number one slot of any team that's playing this week to get contract money. Uh, every single Atlanta defender is going to want to tackle guys, make big plays, sack, pressure Mahomes, do everything they can in their power to get great game tape. Uh, this is a team that, by the way, has not lost this number 10 and a half. They've only done it twice at Green Bay and at New Orleans. So I guess that goes in, in the Chiefs' favor that in, the Falcons don't play well against great teams on the road. But bonus point here two common opponents that Kansas City has struggled against recently Denver and Oakland. Atlanta has run train on both of those teams. Uh, granted, those are early starts for West Coast teams traveling east, but I do think uh, this team does a lot of things well. And obviously they don't close out games well, but they take leads. They play well in the first half. And I see that happening here. My uh, Kansas city is going to come out and try to coast just like they did against all their other opponents in the six game losing streak. It's not going to work against Atlanta. I like Atlanta plus 10. I love that. That's your best bet. Now, Hughes, before I turn it over to you, I want to let you know the chiefs are O five and one in their last six against the spread. So what do you think on this pick? I mean, if this isn't a max bet button Chiefs bet, I don't know if there's been one in the history of the Chiefs franchise. I don't know what we're talking about a team. Have you guys been to Atlanta? It's probably like 75 degrees. They play in an air controlled stadium. They're going to Arrowhead in December, a day after Christmas, with nothing to play for. And they're going to show up against Pat Mahomes and the boys? No chance in hell. Pat Mahomes <laughs> is looking for a get right game. The Chiefs are looking for a get right game. If you've got Tyreek Hill going in the fantasy finals, guess what? You might as well just cash that check because this game is going to be out of control. And I only say that because the Atlanta Falcons absolutely will walk off that plane and be like, yo, can we get back on? Because it is cold here. It ju- I, I got my Christmas fire still. The embers are still hot. <laughs> the presents are still under the tree. Get me back home as quick as possible. The only way that happens is if Mahomes just drops 50 on them. And I think the chiefs win this by a hundred. Excellent. Mr. Model, what do you think? Just hedge against him. I hope he I hope he ignites and just tears Atlanta apart, but I I I I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I uh I'm I don't have a lean one way or another in this one, but I uh I have to agree with Hughes here. I like Kansas City in the spot. I'm hoping for weather, I'm hoping for motivation, I'm hoping for cold. I just think uh, Atlanta is a, a wounded puppy coming back and just finishing the season with a whimper. It's fair. I mean, again, I used a little bit of my Costanza logic to get here, but uh, like I just said, they're all five and one against the spread. The last six are the chiefs. And for whatever reason, I'm watching them play. It's like they play up to their competition, but they never blow anyone out. It's almost like they're waiting for the playoffs to really flip the full switch, I guess. But, <laughs> you know, Hughes, you made I a lot of good it. points. Lev Bell's back. Lev Bell's running. I, I mean, I think I think there's a lot that the Chiefs have going. Now, I do think they're a little light in some positions, um, and it will be interesting. I mean, Matt Ryan and the, and the Falcons' offense has shown that they can move the ball on almost you know most teams, and the Chiefs don't have some type of like defense that you're going to be scared of. But I do. Th- I think again, maybe it's you know unseasonably warm and everything turns out well. But I think this is going to be one of those games where the Falcons players are going to be like, "Shit, we just just get me out of Kansas City." 
It's fair. It's fair. I, I don't uh, see why so that wait, couldn't happen. Two, huh? Do I have two crossfires on this one? Yeah, me and me and Coulter. That's Coulter's right, best cool. bet. So, All right. uh, okay. Both ways. I like it. Yes, indeed. Like but it. that was Coulter's best bet as well. So let's go over to Hughes now and let's get your key pick of the week. <sighs> well, so I kind of circled a couple different games here. I don't really know, you know, exactly how to read this game, but at the end of the day, I want to give everybody a, a little bit of a Christmas present, and I am going to. I'm going to see if this gets uh, gets any eye out of you. I'm going to go Vikings plus seven uh, on the road Christmas Day. It's a it's just one of those picks. Like the Saints, I didn't think played extremely well, um, but at the end of the day, like they just don't look like breezes doesn't look right. I, I just think the Vikings come out, control the clock. I think it's a low scoring game. I think the saints win by a field goal. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, Hey, throw a bunch of money on the Vikings money line. Cause I don't know if they can figure that out, but I do think that this game is again, closer than maybe the experts think. Um, it's a little bit of a, a random pick. It's a Christmas day pick gives us something to get excited about um, on Christmas from an NFL perspective. So let's, uh, let's see if we can make a, make a little Christmas present for ourselves. I'm going to go Vikings plus seven. Like that. All right, Mr. Model, what do you got? Hughes, so uh, this line actually locked in at set plus seven and a half in the office pool. So you even get the hook um, on this game. But I will go ahead and give you a crossfire on this one. So I'm going to take my New Orleans Saint team that I just drafted as my NFC go to horse. I think Breeze is a week healthier. I think he performs much better than he did last week. I think they freaking get Kamara going because he didn't do much of anything. I think you see a bunch of uh, catches out of the backfield for him. Uh, I think the defense plays well. I think they uh, are able to kind of keep uh, Minnesota's rush in check. Um, I like them in the spot. I think they cover the seven and a half. I, uh, I am weirdly on Minnesota as well. I don't love it at all, uh, especially after watching Kirk Cousins just incapable of scoring touchdowns. Did anyone hear the audio of Justin Jefferson? who was wide open yes. the end zone was like, come on, Kirk, throw the ball. <laughs> it's unbelievable how bad a quarterback he is. It's, it's so bad. I hate that I'm riding Kirk Cousins against Drew Brees, but I agree. I was watching that Saints-Chiefs game just like everybody else, and Brees' arm looks dead. Granted, they came uh, back in the second half, but it, it didn't look good, Hughes. What, did you, what were you seeing? Well, I was just going to ask, you know, the, the Bronco fans. I just think he looks like Peyton in, at the end, and I don't think, I, I don't think he has – that uh, there's just something about it that without, again, if Michael Thomas is out there, I think they're obviously a much better team. They're a totally different team. He was not out there against the chiefs. He's not been out there for a lot of times this season, but like breeze just doesn't look like he can move the ball down the field. And again, I think once you lose that dynamic uh, part of your offense, I just feel like they're, they don't seem like the best dink and dunk team. Like I, they, I just don't get it from them. They, it's like they lose patience or they don't do it well enough. Um, and, and I think that, you know, it just, it ends up, showing that like they just can't they can't outgun somebody and that's where i think the vikings have shown that like they can run the ball they can control the clock so i think this is just going to be a close game okay colter you're the uh and one of the broncos fans here uh fair comparison there yeah and you know what honestly uh hughes you know hit on something that i actually wanted to talk about it you know Breeze's arm strength is obviously shot but this is a correlated thing and i'm also on vikings here who is exploiting the Vikings on the Saints? Thomas is on the IR. I mean, we can we can yell and 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 bitch about Breeze's arm strength all we want, but like at the end of the day, the Saints don't have many great pass catchers. I love Emmanuel Sanders. That's a Super Bowl winner for us. 
always respect him, but like he's their best option. I don't see him as a number one in the NFL in 2020. I don't see Traquan Smith or Tommy Lee Luke Jones or Lewis or whoever this guy is giving them any sort of consistency. Uh, you know, as I said about the Vikings last week, when I took them, a bunch of Dan Bailey missed field goals. This team would have covered two games in a row leading into that bears game. I, I get that cousin stinks, but this is also a, a great history repeats itself game. Let's not forget Minnesota went to the Superdome last year. Same exact spread, same exact situation, national TV game afternoon, everybody watching them and they won the game straight up. So I agree with Hughes. I'm not recommending the money line, but if you're giving me a touchdown in the hook and the hook, I have to take Mike Zimmer against the spread against the Limbarn, Drew Brees. And to kind of bring it full circle. Yeah. Peyton had a noodle arm. We all heard that. Uh, storyline, but at the end of the day, he had Demarius Thomas and, and Emmanuel Sanders in the peak of their career. Two all-pro receivers. He had a good running offense of Gary Kubiak calling plays. I don't see any of that happening with New Orleans right now. If anything, I see a team that doesn't know if they want to have Breeze or Hill or how is Hill going to get back into the offense as a tight end pass catcher and all that crap, which I don't like. And yeah, Sean Payton might be an offensive genius and he might figure it out, but I'll take the seven and a half and, and wait and see. If he is, then Aaron's uh, Saints pick looks pretty good going into the postseason because if they cover this spread, I, I'm, I'm back on the New Orleans bandwagon. I have to see it, though, before I jump. And you just know there's going to be at least one, maybe two mentions of the Stefan Diggs miracle playoff rematch cat, whatever that or whatever they're going to call that. You know, they're mentioning at least uh, those playoff battles that they've had. So uh, interesting Christmas Day battle there. I'm really glad to watch that game in particular. But I hate, hate, hate that I'm riding Kirk Cousins. Ugh. Okay, Mr. Model, yeah. this is your key pick, my friend. All right, I'm doing something a little different from my key pick this week. I am going based purely on emotion. I, now, I know this is uh, this is unlike me. Going to the fire in the belly is something that I'm, uh, I'm not usually known for. But I'm going to go. I'm inspired. I'm fired up. I'm going to be taking those Philadelphia Eagles minus two and a half at the Dallas Cowboys. It's all because of Jalen Hurts. Hurts has been playing way better than I would have ever expected. I love that he got thrown in here toward the end of the season to take over for the uh, Philadelphia quarterback. I would love to continue to see him playing well and inspiring the team. I love that he's a mobile guy and can, and move the pocket around and make things happen with his feet. I think that they play well. I think they continue to get motivated. I like them in the spot, even though the line has kind of gone against me here, it's down to two and a half or two in some spots, but I am going to be rooting for those Eagles. Okay. Coulter, what do you think? I kind of agree. Uh, uh, this is probably one of my bottom four games, so I don't really have much of a take, to be honest with you. That's fair. All right. Hughes, you're a Philly guy. You're there, man. What are the, what's all the uh, excitement about uh, Hertz? I mean, I think I think it's it's real. And I think the interesting thing is, um, is when you watch them play, they've got a spirit to them that maybe they didn't have. And I, again, I don't want to say that the team wasn't playing hard for Carson. I think the team generally likes Carson. I think the team realizes that Jalen hurts has a level, uh, has a dynamic part of his game that Carson had. Um, I think I've given, I made this take in the past, but like before he got hurt and I just don't think that that was there. He was a bit of a sitting duck, um, was getting crushed because their offensive line is suspect. Um, and they didn't really have a lot of receivers that could get open. I do think now that you've seen some of the weapons come back, you've got Ertz in this offense, Rager in this offense, Jeffrey in this offense, you got a reinvigorated Jalen Hurts, obviously got a lot to play for. Um, and I think that they've just shown a spirit. I think that they've shown that they, I thought they were going to end up winning that Arizona game because I thought Arizona was just 
destined to give it away. Um, but at the same time, they were in that game. And I think that that's a testament uh, to what Jalen Hurts has brought to the to this version of the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I think Doug is in a little bit of a better spot. It seems to call plays. Um, and the defense is, you know, they're holding it together. I don't think they're great, but um, but I love it. I've, I've been very down on Dallas. I think that they have, the again, one of the worst coaching staffs in the NFL. Um Easy for me to say Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl. It's, you know, kind of blasphemous, I guess, in, in, the, in the modern context. But um, but I'm on Philly. Um, I think that they come out. I think they get the win because I do think the, the NFL wants this as well. Coulter talked about it earlier. This is they want it. They need to create some intrigue these last couple of weeks because I don't know if anybody saw. But actually, by adding the seventh playoff team, they've made a lot of these games less uh, impactful. So there's less on the line than there maybe I think than they were saying than there was the last couple of years by having the seventh playoff spot because there's a distance between seven and eight. So I think they want to have some intrigue the last uh, week of the season. So I think again, there's a lot of those uh, factors trending toward the towards the Eagles. So I'm 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 on it as well. I like that pick as well. Uh, you nailed a lot of really good points there, Hughes. Um, I, I do think what we're seeing with Hertz is a jolt of life that Wentz used to have, whether it's mobility, whether it's Doug Peterson refound his mojo for calling plays. I don't know what it is exactly, but he certainly brings a confidence to them. And one of the biggest issues I saw watching the Eagles play is that they were just giving up sacks. And whether that was Wentz holding the ball too long, which I personally think it was, uh, or you want to say it's the patchwork offensive line. I think either, you know, could be said there, but for whatever reason, Hertz is, is making the right reads. He's getting the ball out there quick and he's showing that mobility that Wentz used to have. Um, I really like Philadelphia here. I like them a lot. I know Dallas just came off a really good win, but, um, I, I, you know, the motivation factor for both these teams, they are alive. Like you said, Coulter, like you said, Hughes, Mr. Mono, you guys are all on this. I think the NFL wants the NFC East teams to be alive in that week, week 17 there for whatever reason to have some juice, whether it's six and 10, five, nine and 10, whatever, whatever it's going to be. I think they want and now Jalen Hurts is like the story of the NFL too. Yeah. I mean, you could argue in the back, the, the last quarter of the NFL, he's like the biggest storyline. He could be potentially the one starting quarterback to enter 2000, uh, the 2021 season that wasn't really like quote unquote, a starter from this year. I think the NFL is totally invested in this storyline. They're totally invested in this division and those teams all playing each other in the last week, which I find just very highly alarming. Uh, and, and, and Hertz is a big time moment guy. And I just, the other thing too, is like, not only do you have a guy who handles these situations really well in Hertz, but Dallas is fat and happy. I like fading Dallas when they're fat and happy. They just kick the crap out of the Niners. What do we just go over with the Niners? This team is beaten and done. Mullins, Beathard, it doesn't matter. They're shot. Dallas got a nice win. Congrats to you, Dallas. But, man, I love a Mike McCarthy team that is sitting back fat and happy. Uh, I, I love Eagles' money line. I don't know about the spread. I feel like it's going to be goofy, but i definitely taking the money line for sure. Yeah, and I, I just had one thing. I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a, a, an Eagles fan, and I think the the, the best way to understand how I view the difference between what we saw from Wentz and what we've seen from Hertz is football is a game that's played based off your ability to react in situations without having to think about what you need to do. You've done the preparation in advance and everything becomes instinctual. I think what you're seeing from Jalen Hurts is playing football. He's out there. He's just making plays based on his instincts and how he views the game. It was clear that Carson Wentz 
that had somehow changed from when he got hurt and when he tried to come back. I don't know if that was the pressure of trying to follow, follow a Super Bowl champion, whether that was trying to get back to an MVP status. But again, it's like a lot of sports are like this. When in baseball, you can't aim the ball; you need to throw the ball. There's this part of being a quarterback. We got to go out and you got to trust your instincts. It's an instinctual game. You cannot, especially at the NFL level, when it's a split second decision. You, the second you start thinking about it and it starts to get in your head, again, you just saw all those signs with Wentz. He throws high. He throws low. He throws late. Uh, he's getting guys killed. Like you know, like a lot of these things, you're just not seeing that from Hurts. And I think that that. Again, sometimes with these youthful guys, you know, he's had experience coming in off the bench. He's had experience being the number one dude. Um, and again, I, I wanted the Pats to take him. I, I'll go back to this. I was shocked that the Eagles took him. I thought it was crazy. Um, but this guy's proven that, like, again, no matter how many times he's been counted out, no matter how many times people have said, like, it's crazy to give this guy another shot, he just keeps coming out on top. He's a winner. And I think that that's another thing that's obviously undervalued uh, when you go into the combine and you go into the draft. As a Giants fan, I absolutely hate to see it because he looks like the real deal. We're going to be dealing we with Jalen Hurts. went from burying the Eagles to now we're anointing them for next year. It's so crazy. It's terrible. And even the football team, they've got Chase Young. I mean, it's just like these players are popping up around the Giants, and it's not good. But can, great can I give a little, a little double-down Trent research on the fly? Jalen Hurts is 3-0 and at AT&T Stadium career. Ooh, Ooh, good little ditty there. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good one. That's a good right. one. I like it. That is. I, I, I love Jalen Hurts at eighteen. I liked <laughs> that before I even looked it up. I, I just think he's a gamer, and I think the NFL wants this. And again, I'm not recommending the spread because weird things can happen. But I love the money line. I love it. That is an absolute sharp gamble recommendation. Phenomenal job there, Coulter. Uh, for my key pick here, it's just one of those things where I'm not going to overthink this. I am taking the Chicago Bears minus seven and a half against the Jacksonville Jaguars because you know why? The fucking tank is now on in Jacksonville. Shahid Khan is calling down to Doug Marone and going, listen, you dumb asshole. You're fired anyway. Bench every player. And I will give you a bonus under the table. Let us get the number one pick in Trevor Lawrence. I would be shocked if the Jaguars even put up three points in this game because they are tanking full time. The Bears technically are still alive, but I am all over this just because the Jags want nothing to do with this game. So give me the Bears minus seven and a half. Coulter, what do you think? Maggie versus Doug Marone. I, I believe it or not, I sickly kind of like I didn't like circle this game with a sharpie, but at the beginning of the year I was like, what are some of the horrific coaching matchups? And I saw the Jaguars were playing the Bears, and here we are 60 weeks later. It's like this is a coaching apocalypse. Uh the, my favorite thing about the Bears is what does Matt Nagy do well? He's given the offensive play call to Bill Lazar, and since Lazar has taken over. This Bears offense is taken off. What does Maggie? He, he doesn't game manage well. He doesn't motivate well, clearly. And he can't call offensive plays. And the offense is flourishing, both Trubisky and Montgomery, when he's relegated the play calling to somebody else. I, I love the fact that this Bears team is playing better without Maggie. Uh, it just it makes me laugh. You can't take Jacksonville in this, right? No. I mean, I knew it right away. <laughs> From I had James Robinson in two fantasy league semifinals, and the minute that game kicked off and I saw the first drive, I was just like, nope, they're going to be behind the whole game, and they're not going to run, and they're not going to know what to do because Baltimore's just going to keep scoring and scoring, and they're just awful, and they're just going to be lost. And sure enough, 
that was the most predictable game of the week. It was literally Jaguars just kept being lost and the Ravens just kept pouring it on. I, this Jaguars secondary is atrocious. I think Allen Robinson eats against his former team. Trubisky, let's not forget. I've been hammering this with Derek Carr in the contract year. Contract year for Trubisky. If there's any game where he wants to light up the stats, it's this game. He's playing a terrible secondary. I love this game. Uh, the, the hook makes me not love it as much. I wish it was six and a half on the road. Uh, but Jaguars are dead. You can't take them. You just cannot take the team that's not playing. I know that no team is actually tanking. I'm adamant about that in the NFL. But this is a team that's as close to tanking, even more so than people thought with the Jets. I think the Jaguars are actually trying to tank. They are really not trying. Hughes, what do you think? Well, I mean, I, I, so we'll play a little six degrees of Kevin Bacon to get back to the Pats, but because um, I want, <laughs> I did want to touch on that before we before we leave a little in memoriam. Um, but I will say, what has happened based off the Jets winning last week is a yes, Trevor Lawrence is now back up for grabs for Jacksonville, and b there's a really good chance that Bill Belichick would love in Week 17 to throw a game against the Jets to ultimately give that first pick and to give Trevor Lawrence to a different team. Keep him out of the AFC East. So I can absolutely see the fact that now that the Patriots are eliminated from the playoffs, which, you know, again, is a little bit of a sad day for me, seeing as it's been a decade since that's happened. Uh, but ultimately, this team didn't have the juice to make any run in the playoffs. And so I'm not surprised that they're the odd man out. But it does, again, open up the scenario where they play nobody. Jared Stidham gets his first career start week 17 against the Jets and they lose and the Jets end up with two wins and Jacksonville gets Trevor Lawrence, which again is potentially a franchise altering type of situation. So I agree with you. I don't think that there's any way the bears lose here. I, I got a, I want a double crossfire last week. Thankfully to make up for my double crossfire loss last week as well um, on the bears themselves. Not only did they cover that plus three and a half, they won outright. There is some weird juice to this team, you know, whether it's Mitch Trubisky in a contract year, whether it's the fact that I think Nagy's just realized he's, he's a commissioner, right? He's, he's the guy that gets booed at the front of the fucking draft. Like just yep. put him out there, let the fans throw fucking tomatoes at him and let the real people in the background run the team and figure out what actually needs to happen on the field. Like he's just become that. And I don't know if that's a role that, you know, is sustainable. I don't think it is. I think he's gone. Um, but at the same time, like it does feel like they are better since he's given up some of and relinquished some of those responsibilities. So, um, I'm on the I'm on the Bears as well. Um, again, I think you know it being in Jacksonville is maybe a little interesting, but I don't think the Jags will have any juice. Um, and I think absolutely they've kept Doug Marone on a string that maybe he'll come back just so that they can convince him to tank. Yeah, Mr. Model, what are That's you doing? Full, full agreement. No chance I can get on the Jacksonville bandwagon. I will be rooting for those lovely, lovely Chicago Bears in this one. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if we get like a late minute injury report where it's like groin for Robinson questionable hamstring shark questionable. And they just don't play anybody because there's just no incentive for them to win the game. And I know it's tough to tell players to, to tank, uh, you know, that's just, it goes against everything that they, they know and love. But at some point the ownership is getting involved, whether it's they bench players in the second half, whether that's they put people on the injury report, this is a tank job written all over it. That's my opinion. Yep. Now, Hughes, I think you're right. I think we do need to do a little in memoriam. Like we're at the Oscars here. You know, let's let's go over the teams that died. And that would be your New England Patriots. It was a hell of a run, my friend. I mean, what was it, 20 straight years? I mean, pretty much the entirety of your adult fan life. You know, if you miss so, one playoff, it's not the worst thing. So tell, we'll give you the floor and uh, give us your thoughts on the, the Pats going down. 
Well, yeah, we did. We did miss once uh, again with the Matt Castle season when Tom got hurt. But at the same time, we still won double digit games and had a pretty good year that year. This is, uh, and I think that that was oh seven or oh eight. Uh, no, it was oh think six. Oh, or, it was oh six or oh eight. I always forget which one it was. It was either yeah, I think it was the year after they uh, made the run or the year before. Either neither here nor there. It's been a great run. Um, I think you've seen Bill Belichick. I don't know if anybody's followed any of his. Um, interesting press conferences when it's been uh, about the quarterback play or whether it's been about the team. Um, clearly he's done with this season. He does not want to deal with anybody. He's ready to move on. I've never seen him this, you know, kind of despondent and, and kind of just absolutely not willing to engage. Normally he has a little bit of fun with it um, in terms of rubbing people's nose and what he feels like is his, his level of genius, but he's not even doing that anymore. He just doesn't, uh, he was on with some of the local guys and like, would just wouldn't answer questions. Like there's just 15 second silence in between, in between questions where he just didn't want to answer it. It's uh, I've answered that before. So, I mean, it is obviously it's, it's kind of sad to see. I think, you know, the team played better than I think some people would have thought this year, but at the same time did not perform at a level where they could have made the playoffs. Cam's good, but he's not the future. And so I think it's time to figure it out. I'm scared that Jared Stidham hasn't gotten a chance yet because I think it shows that either the coaching staff doesn't think he can do it, uh, which is possible or like they know he can't do it. And if they know he can't do it, then we're starting from scratch. Uh, but I'm surprised that he hasn't gotten a nod yet in a game. I wouldn't be surprised again if he gets his first nod in the Jets game, just as a little bit of a, a backdoor there. Um, but again, it's been it's been one of those things where I'm interested to see Bill Belichick's of elevated age. I don't know if he's got you know how much he wants to put back into this, but if they can't turn it around quickly, um, who knows uh, whether or not we ever see them kind of regain this uh, this dynasty or not? Is, is there any chance that Sidham plays this weekend just to try to you know test out and see really what they have talent wise? Um, so from what I saw, no, but again, they, they easily could announce, um, on set cause they don't play till Monday night. They've got Buffalo at home, uh, seven point spread. Again, the bills are just clicking on all cylinders. So, um, I think, I, I don't know what it is with cam. I don't know if they cut a deal with cam that they were going to give him a full season. If he, if he decided to take, you know, like bargain basement dollars, it doesn't seem like they want to pl- to start Stidham. I'm surprised by it. Again, Belichick got asked about it, and he kept saying, I've answered that question. We're not in a position. We feel like a, we're starting the best guy. And so I I don't think so, but at the same I've time. I've heard this theory that they gave this contract to Cam where he has to start. What are we talking about? I, I heard well, this from somebody else this week. We were talking about the greatest coach of all time, unequivocally, gave a yeah. contract to a guy who wouldn't sign with any of the 31 other teams that said, Oh no, I have to start every game that I'm healthy. What? That did not happen. That did not happen. This is all at Belichick's discretion. He has the hundred percent confidence to move to Stidham, to move back to Newton, to move to whoever he the hell he wants. He could start Hoyer if he wanted. It's Bill Belichick. What are we talking about here? I heard this yesterday from somebody that Cam Newton signed this like exclusive. I have to start contract. It's ludicrous. That did not happen. It did not happen. So I, I will say I've not heard that necessarily. I that my suggestion upon what deals they may have signed. Again, I just don't know what motivation there was for Cam to sign the deal that he signed. I mean, other than like and somebody guaranteeing him an opportunity to play. Now, do I think that now that we're into week sixteen that Bill Belichick would even feel like he's like in any way indebted. I think it shows you that he does not think Jared Stidham is much better of a quarterback than Cam Newton. Um, and I don't think it from his perspective, it puts the team in a position to win. And I think 
Now that's just been, always has been his thing. I don't think that it's not about tryouts. They've always talked about practices where you earn your chance to play. It's not, it's never been about, we're going to roll a guy out there and see what happens. It's always been, they feel a level of confidence through practice and through their level of game prep and their game plan to put a guy in, in a certain situation. So I do agree. I don't, I think it would be far fetched to think that he's not making a quarterback change to somebody he thinks could do it based on some type of exclusive deal that he signed. But I also do think that there was clearly some deal made with cam to get him to go there. I think cam ultimately it's been in his best interest, although maybe worst interest now, because like, I don't think he would have gotten this much rope anywhere else. And I don't think he would have gotten, you know, really the level of investment that he's gotten from the Pats. He just hasn't stepped up. Like he just, it's not, he's not an NFL level quarterback right now. If he can't run the ball, they don't, he's not a contributor in, on the offensive side. I do Kinda think slow. you, uh, you nailed it where we're going to see Stidham in week 17, because that is the most predictable bill Belichick situation where he's going to go out and they're going to lose that game to guarantee the jets do not get Trevor Lawrence. And I don't blame him. That makes a ton of sense to me. And if I'm him, I would do the same thing without making it obvious, but you know, hell of a run. I know you said there was one, that one season where they didn't make it, but it was 20 straight years of winning seasons with super yeah. bowls divisions. I don't think you're going to see an NFL franchise go on a run like that again in our lifetime. So you know, you no, got no. to enjoy it. Again, I think, and I was actually having this conversation with somebody else too. You need to have a quarterback that's willing to take under market. If you want your team to succeed for long periods of time, or you have to constantly hit on rookie quarterbacks. There's only two options in the NFL. I, we, I was talking to somebody about what Deshaun Watson's deal next year is going to eat up like a quarter of the cap for the Texans. How do you build around a quarterback or how do you build a team when that much of your money is going to one guy? Tom Brady was always you don't willing have any to take picks a, either. Yeah. Tom Brady was always willing to take a step back. He was always willing to take less. Again, there's a lot of people that thought there were some weird contracts owner, but clearly Tom Brady prioritized winning over making the most money. There's not a lot of guys out there that do that. And oddly enough, some teams feel like they want to make their players the highest paid at their position. I will never understand that logic from a team to say, we want to make this quarterback because we have that much faith in him, the highest paid quarterback ever. It's like, but why? You need to be doing everything in your power to convince him to take less and then show him that you're going to invest in other spots in order to create a sustainable team. Because otherwise, it's just you have to get so beautifully go so good at the draft that like you just have to have that many good cheap players. And it's just so hard to do in the NFL. Um, so, no, I agree. With you. I don't think it ever happens again unless you find that guy like that is willing to say, you know what, I'll take a step back and won't take 35, 40 million. I'll take 20 and make sure you invest the rest of this in somebody else. And you're just not going to get that because he was fortunate enough to be married to Giselle. He, you know, did not yeah. need to make all that money. But I actually think, and this would be like the last topic, I guess, for the night. But my uh, my thought on this is that I would love to see a franchise come in and just flip their draft model, flip their quarterback model, and and say what and do what you said, Hughes. We're going to get a rookie quarterback. Maybe every five years we're going to rotate somebody out and see what happens. Roll the dice and. You know, you're seeing the Eagles kind of do that. I know they gave Wentz that massive contract, but they also went down that path of getting another quarterback in the second round. Maybe that's going to the model for teams because look at Seattle. I mean, look at all these contracts. I mean, the Rams are going to be dealing with this soon enough with with golf. They're giving out these giant quarterbacks and it's hamstringing their teams. Seattle had the Legion of Boom. They had all this talent around them. They gave Russell Wilson the mass contract and all of a sudden they got to ship out all the rest of their talent. So it's something to see. To, to your point, too, right there about the Rams, how do the Rams justify giving Jared Goff that kind of money? How do you not go out and say, we've got everything else built as an infrastructure for this team? We can plug and play a quarterback and still win. I've got an offensive genius that can call the plays. 
drop the game plan. Just bring me a different quarterback. I'm not going to invest. Could you imagine like that? Jared Goff would instantly be the worst contract in the NFL. No, oh, yeah. if he was if making not. like Russell Wilson money. Oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Cool. Brutal. Well, Brutal. gentlemen, fantastic episode. This is our holiday episode. So Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, happy Festivus, whatever it is you're celebrating out there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. Ladies and gentlemen, that is episode 93 in the books of Double Down Trent. We'll see everybody next week. Baby, look at me. Look at me. Your money. You know what else? You're a big winner tonight. I want to leave. You're a big winner. I'm going to ask you a simple question. I want you to listen to me. Who's the big winner here tonight at the casino? Huh? Mikey, that's who. Mikey's the big winner. Mikey wins. Fucking All right, fine. I'm an asshole, but you know what? You're the big winner tonight, Mikey. You're the big winner in more ways than one.